Welcome to the Gathering Network Covenant Partner Podcast, a conversation designed to help covenant partners live Jesus-shaped lives. Gathering Network Covenant Partners, this is John Shirley, and I just want to say, I hope you're having a fantastic Easter week. We're looking forward to Easter Sunday this coming Sunday, and of course, we'll be in missional communities this Easter, and so I hope that you're going to connect with your spiritual family and have a wonderful time celebrating the resurrection of Jesus this weekend. Um, We've just been in this great conversation here on uh, the Gathering Network Covenant Partner Podcast, just about prayer, how to cultivate a life of prayer and hearing God. And today's topic is going to be centered around Sabbath. And I just want to encourage you, if you were not with us this last weekend for the Sunday gathering, Ben Myers brought what might be one of the the most potent and um, in- encouraging, challenging sermons on Sabbath that I I have ever heard. And so if you have not heard that, if you happen to not be with us this last weekend, I just want to encourage you, uh, head on over to gatheringnetwork.org and look at our sermon archive page and just find that sermon. It's Ben Myers' latest sermon, Sermon on Sabbath and uh, Sabbath Keeping. And I promise you, you just won't be disappointed. I, I think that this is a battle, you know, even as even as Ben was saying on on Sunday that that this this is a battle that really has to be won in our lives. I've I've been listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment, uh, you know, headed led by a, a a pastor out of Portland named John Mark Comer, and he's interviewing one of my favorite authors. His name is John. Um, his name is Mark Sayers. It, just a brilliant, brilliant guy, and they're basically unpacking. Uh, this cultural moment, what it means for us to be following Jesus in a post-Christian society. And, you know, they make many claims on this podcast, but one of the claims that, that, that they make is as they review uh, just what is causing uh, so much spiritual upheaval in this day and age. And of course, they're talking about secular humanism and many other things, but they make this claim, and I think they're right. They say, uh, the greatest challenge to us following Jesus today is is not secular humanism, but the greatest challenge or the thing that has challenged uh, just the, the thriving gospel within us more than any other thing has been the evolution, the development of the smartphone. And you know that that even sounds kind of crazy because we've gone from something even in that last you know statement from something very philosophical to something very practical. It's not secular humanism that's the greatest uh, challenge to our heart, but it's just the fact that we are constantly disconnected, constantly preoccupied, constantly distracted, and never before in human history have we ever had something so close that's created such distraction and upheaval in our lives. I know that we all feel it. Uh, we're all, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm probably on some spectrum technologically addicted, and I'm having that conversation. I'm trying to get unplugged, and I'm trying as hard as I can to just build my life on rest and um, silence and solitude. And I'm realizing, and this is the, this is the thing that Brent, that Ben brought to us this last Sunday, is that so much rises and falls on our ability to just rest, 
to just rest. And so that's why the topic, the discussion of Sabbath is so crucial. So if you feel tired, if you feel overwhelmed, if you have internal feelings of feeling, you know, fundamentally deficient, disconnected, discouraged, all of this stuff is the stuff that Sabbath uh, aims at. And it's the reason why Jesus calls us to it. And so two things. Number one, you know, I'm going to say it again, go listen to Ben's sermon. And then secondly, this podcast episode by Pete Scazzaro, who, you know, we told you in the last podcast has become a real hero of ours, just around emotional health and our growing maturity in that way. We're borrowing another podcast from them just on Sabbath keeping and Sabbath delight. And they're just fantastic coaches for us. He, They've become great guides for me as I'm trying to build my life on the foundation of emotional health, you know, healthy spirituality and healthy relationships. I know that that's something that we're all after. So yeah, enjoy this podcast. And you know, you guys, as we head toward Easter this weekend, this opportunity to just inhale the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is risen, and that he's thriving in our hearts. Could we just insert this topic of Sabbath as a place for us to regularly and weekly confront that reality in our lives. I hope you enjoy this episode on Sabbath Keeping and Sabbath Delight by Pete Scazzaro and the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. Find them online, and I hope you're encouraged and blessed by this. God bless you guys. Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro. It's just great to be with you today. I've been working with uh, leaders for well over 30 years now, and most of everyone I've been with is kind and generous and compassionate, but also tired and overwhelmed and overworked with not the, neither the time nor the space uh, to really listen t- uh, to the deeper voices inside from God that can really speak to the essence of the problems before them. And so what happens is so often we as leaders rush into solutions and we kind of hope the problem solves itself or goes away, <clears throat> but without the essential nutrients of rest and silence and wisdom, that's really so critical for a deep solving of the problems that are in front of us, our quick fix solutions often become just the seed of a whole new problem. And that wisdom that comes from the quietness with God just is not available to us. So today I want to talk to you about two keys to creative leadership, Sabbath and silence. Both are countercultural, they're radical, they're prophetic, and I've had my own journey over the years with them. In fact, it wasn't until Uh, 1996, when I began my whole journey into emotional health, uh, that I actually began to slow down and experiment with Sabbath as a spiritual practice and begin integrating silence into my life and uh, had a lot of ups and downs and starts and stops uh, over the next seven years until 2003 when I did a four-month sabbatical into monastic spirituality and its applications for the active missional church today uh, in an urban center like New York, that I actually got it. I uh, Both silence and, and Sabbath began to get integrated into my life as practices that were core to my leadership, uh, and it changed everything. Uh, the integration of rhythms, uh, it was no longer just reading about it or even preaching about it. I was now actually living it. And so it's been now 15 years, and uh, the journey has deepened my I think my understanding of Sabbath and silence and stillness 
uh, continues to grow and unfold. And I think like many other biblical truths, you can only understand them from the inside. And that's what happened with me, and it is continuing to happen to me. So I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm growing. But as I continue to meet with pastors and leaders, I, I realize this issue continues, uh, that feeling of just being tired, overwhelmed, overworked. So let me just ask you, before I launch into this, uh, a couple of questions. On a scale of one to five, five being true, most true, one being least true, uh, respond to these follow- this little test here that comes actually out of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book. Uh, tell me this is true, one to five. Can't shake the pressure you feel from having too much to do in too little time. You're always rushing. Routinely, routinely fire off quick opinions and judgments. Are often fearful about the future. Are overly concerned about what others think. Are defensive and easily offended. Are routinely preoccupied and distracted. Consistently ignore the stress, anxiety, and tightness of your own body. Feel enthusiastic or threatened by the success of others. Or routinely spend more time talking than, than listening. It's a nice little quiz to evaluate how am I doing in terms of the pace of my life and the slowness needed to actually abide and listen deeply to God. So the question is, how did this happen when that list I just described to you is so true for so many of us? And I would say, one, we've forgotten the Sabbath. Again, Sabbath refers to a single day of the week, a 24-hour period, but actually Sabbath is something more far-reaching and more revolutionary. it's It's a spiritual practice, but it's also a metaphor. Uh, it's a metaphor for life. I mean, we can take a Sabbath hour. We can take a Sabbath walk. Uh, I consider offices during the day where I pause to be still before the Lord and be a little bit in Scripture as a, as a mini Sabbath. Uh, it's the time we take we take ourselves off the wheel, off the plow of what we're doing for God, and we just let God take care of things. It's more than simply the absence of work. It's actually the presence of God in rest. So number one is we've forgotten the Sabbath. But the second reason this has happened, I believe, is because we've forgotten the importance of silence. And this theme of silence uh, we find throughout Scripture, and yet we find it such a rare commodity in our world today. I mean, Habakkuk 2.20, when the Babylonians were about to invade uh, Judah or Israel, and Habakkuk brings a word uh, to the people. It says this, he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple, even amidst this great catastrophe that's unfolding before his eyes. He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Then Psalm 37, 7, the great words of David, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And finally, Exodus 14, 14, when in the midst of the crisis of Pharaoh's troop chasing uh, the Israelites and then the Red Sea before them, and they find themselves in tr- under tremendous pressure, uh, the Lord speaks through Moses who says, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So I, I'm well aware when I talk about Sabbath and silence as two keys to creative leadership, you're saying you've got to be kidding uh, with everything that's right now swirling in your mind. Uh, this is like getting off crack. This is like getting off heroin or an opioid addiction. Uh, it's in our bodies. Uh, and so this is no small task to to move into a leadership life or a life with Jesus where Sabbath and silence are actually part of that process. Now, these are prophetic spiritual practices, I believe, in in a world that's very noisy. Uh, They have practical value. They have prophetic value. They've got church ministry value. they got personal value. I mean, we don't don't have time to actually even savor and enjoy our lives, to care for ourselves in a gentle way, to 
care for the people we love and be present to them, to the world. We're just too busy. And as a result, we just miss what God's saying and doing. So I want to talk to you about briefly about Sabbath, and then I want to just touch on silence. Uh, And I want to invite you uh, as you're listening to this, and again, you may be in your car, you may be doing exercise, you may be going for a walk. Uh, but as a, as a meditation, as a devotional, as as the Lord speaking to you and trying to to slow you down, so that you can begin to bring leadership out of a deeper place of seeing God and seeing the larger issues underneath the issues that are in front of you. So let's begin with the Sabbath practice as a, as a spiritual discipline and what it means to create a container for them. I like what Karl Barth once wrote. He said that the Sabbath commandment, which is the fourth uh, commandment of the Ten Commandments, actually explains all the other commandments. It's a third of the Ten Commandments for a, a reason because you need this one, as ancient rabbis would say, in order to fill, fulfill the other uh, nine. And the Sabbath commandment is very simple. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Okay, it's it's not a day off, it's a Sabbath that has certain qualities to it that make it to the Lord our God. It's holy to the Lord, it's set apart, uh, it's distinct from the other six days. That's why it's so important to try to create a container that makes it different than the other uh, six days. It's got a quality to it. It's it's a it's a sacred time. It's, it's one of the signs for the for the for the Jewish people for for three thousand five hundred years of being God's people. That I don't I don't belong to the world. I, we belong to God. And so again, there's two extremes as we go into this with Sabbath. One is legalism, uh, which Jesus was consistently fighting against in the New Testament, uh, and the other, and that is you know I'm saved by God. Uh, if I, God loves me more if I do Sabbath. God loves me more if I do prayer and Bible study. No, we're saved by Jesus alone. But there's certain practices that help reshape us and redo us. But, uh, and the other extreme is it's irrelevant. Don't worry about it. You know, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Uh, and so what we're calling for here is it's Sabbath is a spiritual formation, discipline, a practice. And Jesus restores it as a practice where he says in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And so literally Sabbath means a 24-hour period each week in which we receive a gift from God. Uh, we enter God's rhythms of work and Sabbath, work and Sabbath. And and so God creates the world in six days in Genesis 1, and then off, a lot of activity, and then he pulls back and he Sabbaths. And he says, we're made in his image, and we were created for the same kind of rhythm. That's why uh, the world has has shaped us to their rhythm, which is 24-7. But God invites us prophetically uh, to live as we've been designed, which is a rhythm of, yes, working, but also uh, Sabbathing. And so here, there's four qualities I, that we've written about in, in different books and in the EH discipleship courses about what is you know the qualities of a Sabbath. And again, this came out of in 2003 when I finally said, I'm going to figure this Sabbath thing out after experimenting for seven years. I read everything I could find on Sabbath, biblically and in terms of what's been written on Sabbath. And uh, finally broke it down to four qualities for that 24-hour period. Uh, Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate for a 24-hour period each week. And uh, again, Paul says it doesn't matter when the day is, Romans chapter 14, but that there's some kind of a rhythmic, consistent 24-hour period that we actually have a Sabbath to the Lord our God. And again, it's not a day off, as Eugene Peterson says, that's a bastard Sabbath. It's actually a uh, it has certain qualities to it. So the first thing on Sabbath we do in that period, and for me, generally, it's, it's Fridays from 6 p.m. to Saturday, 6 p.m. And I actually stretch it out if I'm not preaching. Uh, and I distinguish that from uh, a, 
a day off. I, I try to take Friday off and then Saturday or Friday night six Saturday night six is, is my Sabbath to the Lord. And uh, sometimes Jared and I will light a candle. We'll do something special with a meal. Uh, but he said, first thing we do is we stop. And uh, the Lord says, you know, on it, you shall not do any work, paid or unpaid. So we let go. So even those who are plowing in season, uh, in, in, for example, Exodus 34, they were to stop uh, and trust God with it. And so for me, it's email, it's computer, it's church, my office is in the home, for students, it's study. But slowing down, resting, letting go of the fear of being left behind, uh, you know, that fear of everything's going to fall apart. But basically, I stop my work because God's on the throne. God's running the universe and he's doing just fine. That's why it touches a core of our spirituality. Is God running the world? Is God building his church, building your ministry? Uh, we have many goals. I have many goals. Uh, I will die with many unfinished goals. But every week on Sabbath, I let it go, uh, recognizing that God's God and I'm not. And I've got limits. And so uh, I stop counting and measuring. And I tap into you know a deeper wealth, which is you know friends and love and God and creation and beauty. And so often we can't stop because I mean I meet so many folks who can't stop because they're terrified of, of what's inside, the emptiness, the grief that's not been processed properly. And so we just keep moving faster and faster, so we don't feel our sadnesses. And so so many of us have lost dreams and lost relationships and lost you know friends and youth and. And what happens, however, is, is if we don't grieve them, we miss God in them. And these are actually maturing moments. And and I used to resent the silence because it's, it would seem to bring up all this negative stuff. But now I actually delight in it. And then you will as well once you tap into it because you find that it's it's actually very, it's incredibly safe. It's so sweet. It's the true sanctuary of life uh, in God. And uh, it's truly a refuge. And, and so the first invitation is, is to stop. And again, a quick word about grieving here. Uh, if you find yourself with grief when you do stop, uh, that is God's invitation to take time to feel, to bring it before God, to wait on the Lord, to bring something new. But those, those are critical moments. And I just let it come. Uh, do like David did. Write it out before the Lord. Lament, journal. Uh, these are really gifts uh, to be heard and received. So we stop. Number two, we, we rest. We rest from hurry. We rest from multitasking. We large decisions. We take a, a nap. It's the images of the soil. When God would call the Israelites to let the soil so have a sabbatical year, uh, it would just it would rest, and so God would be re- instilling nutrients in it during that year. The, the soil was fallow. In the same way, you need to be your soil needs to be fallow. We don't realize how much energy goes out from us with every conversation, every phone call, every email, every text, every meeting. Every activity, it costs something out of us, goes. It drains another drop of life out of us. And you add it up over weeks and months and years. And somebody you know, said to me, I'm burnt out. And I don't know how I even got here. And, and just like Jesus knew when that woman touched the hem of his garment, that power had gone out from him. We too are to recognize our own limits. And that power goes out from us as, as we work and serve. And what's so sad is for many of us, we only rest when we get when, when we get when we have an illness or cancer or a heart attack or an accident creates a sabbath for us uh people lose their job and they oh my gosh finally i can rest and so when i find myself getting sick which i actually did for a few days in january it was it was it was a gift it was god coming to me because i was moving too fast i was trying to do too much uh hadn't slept well but i just kept going 
and I overextended my limits, and it was like God, Hebrews 12, just gently disciplined me. Didn't have a flu. I just was exhausted. My body just said, stay in bed, which I did for a couple of days, and then was refreshed and felt fine. But I was aware that rhythm of of being with Jesus and, and resting and Sabbath and silence was off kilter with how much I was doing in light of my limits. And I've got severe limits. Uh, and I like to say I lost a leg in a war. And when I do, that that balance of doing and being, uh, those circles, which are in the, uh, we're always talking about an emotionally healthy discipleship, get out of whack, my body feels it first. So I stop, I rest, and then I delight. Uh, we delight in life. You know, God has given us a pleasure system to enjoy him. In Sabbath, we actually uh, recognize the fundamental goodness in the world, Genesis 1 and 2. Sabbath and rest invites us to stop, rest, and delight, and step back and see that things are good. And we engage the pleasure of life. Nature, trees, parks, flowers, the richness of food and art and children, and we connect with human beings. We we just, that's why, you know, uh, a great rabbi once said, fasting and mourning and grief is forbidden on Sabbath. It's a sin to be sad on the Sabbath day. And folks have written like, you know, uh, a theology of play by, by Moltmann, a uh, German theologian, that the whole, there's a whole theology of play in Scripture, of tasting heaven on Sabbath, uh, of, of delight. And again, there's nothing in my family background about delight. All we did was work. And then finally, we contemplate. We, we see, we don't, it's not that we pray all day. We just, we're looking for the invisible God in the visible world, and we're seeing God in all of life. I like what Eugene Peterson's phrase is, observing Sabbath is a workshop to practice eternity. And and uh, I love Heschel's, Abraham Heschel's, a great rabbi's remark that if you don't enjoy Sabbath while you're still in the world, unless you're unless one is initiated into the appreciation of eternal life, what makes you think you're going to enjoy eternity when you see him face to face? Because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate him in all of his glory. And uh, we will die, and the world will go on just fine without us. God will build his kingdom. Uh, but, um, you know, in my experiences, we can talk about this, but it takes time to actually get it uh, and actually start doing it. And so I, I know pastors who who are study Sabbath and preach Sabbath, but don't necessarily do it. So I want to invite you to actually uh, grab hold of that gift from God and stop, rest, delight, and contemplate and begin to move this into your life. Because remember, we're not slaves. Slaves don't have rest, don't have, don't stop, don't delight, and don't contemplate. Sabbath is about freedom. Uh, you are not what you do. Uh, you you are you are gods, and uh, and so if all if our identity is found only in work, we've got a Pharaoh driving us, which is behind Pharaoh with demonic powers. And I love when in the Deuteronomy command about Sabbath, he says, "You are no longer slaves in Egypt." Many of us have a Pharaoh, a slave driver inside of us. Uh, that's that's pushing us, and we've got the world pushing us because there are demonic powers behind that. A good friend of mine is a, um, uh, a therapist, a PhD, and has been working with uh, you know leaders in the marketplace primarily uh, for for boy thirty five forty years. And his remark to me once was so revealing. I, I said to him, "Why is it that so many?" Uh, leaders that I meet with can't stop and uh, they're out of control. And he just kind of laughed, you know, and he goes, it's the same issue for international attorneys that I meet with or CEOs uh, in my practice around the world. And that is that, that they really can't stop people because there are forces inside of them. If they stop, they got to face themselves. 
uh, and these deep feelings of shame and worthlessness that I'm not good enough or extraordinary enough or smart enough or rich enough. And, and it touches into all these deep issues inside of us of abuse and shame. And, um, you know, I, I, shame, a great definition of shame is, is this intensely painful feeling of being flawed. And uh, Sabbath is so vulnerable. And so is silence. It could be terrifying. I know for me, it was initially to move into Sabbath and silence was really frightening because I came out of a family, which was, again, had a lot of shame, uh, a lot of suffering. I didn't know anything about delight. I just knew a lot about work. But when I finally began to see that, oh, wait, the gospel is you really are good enough. You are safe enough. You're worthy, Pete. You're lovable. Uh, I could actually enjoy Sabbath. I used to have to kill myself to, to, to merit silence and a vacation. Uh, but to actually enter into this gift, you were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you, as Jesus said. Jesus obeyed that deeper rhythm. He wasn't always on call. He simply stopped, went to a quiet place, and prayed. Listen, God doesn't want you exhausted. doesn't want me exhausted. As, as Reeb Zalman once said, we begin Sabbath by simply saying, today I'm going to pamper my soul. Listen, you're hardwired for that rhythm. Think of creation's rhythm of seasons and seeds and sun and moon and tides and the great movements of the stars. There's rhythm in, in, built into the world. There was no electric light, okay, uh, for, 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 for thousands and thousands of years. And so we're subject to creation's rhythms. And in the same way, your body and your soul was also designed and created to be subject to the rhythms that are God's, which is work, paid and unpaid work, and Sabbath. So let me invite you to, to really make another attempt. It takes, listen, the Israelites did not learn Sabbath overnight. It took them, you read scripture closely. They were 400 years slaves. We too, goes back in our families, hundreds of years of work, 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 our identity being in what we do. The whole culture lives like that. But the Lord invites us out of that to another rhythm, a different rhythm. And uh, when we do, we're actually being transformed. It's a way of getting love and grace in the gospel like nothing else. So let me invite you to take a few steps and come again to that great spiritual practice. And just finally, the, the spiritual practice of, of silence is also another key to creative leadership. And I will just use as my text, First uh, Kings 19, when Elijah is, you know, he's, he's, he's been battling the prophets of Baal and uh, he's exhausted, he's running, and God comes to him and tells him to stand on a mountain in the presence of the Lord because the Lord's about to pass by. And if you know that text, the Lord passes by in a powerful wind, but the Lord's not in the wind. He comes in a powerful earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. He comes in a fire, and the Lord's not in a fire. And these are all ways that God had moved historically in the past in Israel. God's in the fire, God's in the wind, God's in the earthquake. But after that, it says, after the fire comes, it, uh, it says a gentle whisper in most translations. It literally says uh, uh, a sheer whisper, God comes in sheer silence. And the translators didn't know how to translate that, so they called it a gentle whisper. But after the fire, God comes in a <clears throat> gentle, in, a, in, in the sound of sheer silence. And God speaks to him, says, what are you doing, Elijah? Listen, there's so much in scripture about being still before the Lord. Let all the earth be silent before him. Uh, I want to invite you to incorporate into your days many Sabbaths of silence or being still because it's another prophetic way of God's coming in our noisy culture and it's in the place of silence, 
silence before the Lord, not silence before nothing, before the Lord. And we're being with him, we're communing with him. It's not to get something from him out of which everything flows. Now, listen, we're talking about a high-level incorporation of Sabbath and silence for those of us in leadership. But I, I, I'm convinced for every believer who's going to mature in Jesus in discipleship, Sabbath and silence need to be built into it. That's why we have uh, moved our whole ministry of emotionally and spirituality to these emotionally healthy discipleship courses because at the core of the discipleship courses is taking the two circles of activity and being with God and and slowing them down so they actually correspond that my being with God is sufficient to sustain my doing for God. And actually, in the very first course, Emotionally Spirituality, the first exercise of the first week is actually looking at how out of whack is my life and how do I begin to slow down for basically Sabbath, silence, and rhythms. And the core of both courses is the daily office or, or meeting with Jesus twice a day with silence and scripture built into it. Uh, it's actually a revolution in people's discipleship with Jesus. And and I'm giving my life to that for the church to bring a discipleship that deeply changes lives. So uh, let me invite you as I close here uh, to get a foundation set in your own life as a Christ follower by the Emotionally Healthy uh, Courses Discipleship Kit. Uh, buy the kit, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Kit. Go to our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. Pick that up. Get trained on how to use it, and then do the courses. Bring them to your ministry. Bring them to your people. They are truly revolutionary, and I say that unapologetically. Uh, and I am convinced that without building Sabbath and silence into our people's lives that we're leading, that they too will be rushing headlong and doing quick fixes and not really coming up with solutions and hearing God for the long term. And then, of course, for our own lives. But if we're going to bring it to our people, we've got to begin building it into our lives. So again, uh, if you find yourself tired and overwhelmed, uh, overworked with neither the time nor the space to listen to the deeper voices uh, inside of you, the deep voice of God uh, that really can speak to the essence of what's before you, uh, let me invite you to the powerful, powerful biblical practices of Sabbath and silence. I love, again, Exodus 14, 14, and I'll close with this. The Lord said to his people through Moses at the crisis of the Red Sea, he says, do not be afraid. And the Lord says to you, do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Love that. Do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Sabbath and silence are getting your hands off the wheel. Let God drive. Let God fight. You need only to be still. The Lord will come. The Lord will speak. And God's name and his kingdom uh, will go forth in all the earth. God bless you, everybody. It's been great being with you. This is Pete Scazzaro. You have a wonderful, wonderful day.